Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on Thursday, August 20th, 2020. Lots of 20s in the date today, folks. There is a vid chat tomorrow. That'll be at 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time. I might start a little early. It's looking like I'm getting a lot of uh, lengthy questions, so there's a chance I might start early. But as always, I'll be in the chat room a couple of hours early. I'm looking around 11.30 to noon uh, for the pre-chat. So anyway, we are having the um, vid chat tomorrow, so get your questions in. Remember, the deadline is mid midnight. Please put vid chat questions in your email in the subject header, all in caps, so I make sure to see it. All right. China's in the news, and I've been watching China, as you know, for a few months because it's looking to me like the regime of Xi Jinping is in a spot of trouble, and therefore he's lashing out in all directions, and I want to talk about that today. There's a couple of articles that I'm linking to this vid chat that I am not going to comment about. However, I think they're germane to the story. The first, both articles are from the South China Times. Uh, the first one is titled, China-India Border Dispute, Advanced Fighter Jets Sent to Nearby Bases. The second article from the South China Times is titled, China-India Border Dispute, The People's Liberation Army Flexes Military Muscle with a Live Fire Drill in Tibet. So my point in citing those is there's a buildup against India now after the thrashing that uh, I think that they received at India's hands for their border incursion. And in addition to this, China is suffering severe flooding, as everybody knows. This is still going on, folks. And the last time I checked the Three Gorges Dam, for example, the water was extremely high. So China's crop situation now is very, very bad, and they're going to have to start uh, importing a lot more food than they normally do. So we have the flood pressure, the economic pressure going on, the, the global fallout geopolitically from the Fauci-Lieber-Wuhan virus narrative is hurting China badly. Uh, on top of that, there's the trade war going on with the United States, more and more American companies pulling out of China. And I would assume that this is uh, perhaps happening with other countries. So China's economy has taken a big hit from the flooding, from these trade wars. And, of course, Mr. Xi, as all dictators, is responsible for everything. <laughs> so... He is creating a situation geopolitically where he's managed in a couple of very short years to isolate China rather severely. And on top of that, let's also remember that Russia has done two astonishing things geopolitically. Number one, um, Mr. Putin has stationed uh, more batteries of missiles in Siberia. And folks, that's not a move against Japan. <laughs> Okay, the other thing that Russia did was it canceled a, a uh, I believe it was the S-400 surface-to-air uh, missile system delivery to China 
uh, claiming that there was Chinese espionage, the Russians were having their technology ripped off by the Chinese. He canceled that sale, apparently, or at least delayed it. It's, it's difficult to figure out from the sources exactly what's going on there. Most stories are saying that he has delayed that sale. Uh, many sources are saying that he's simply canceled it. Uh, at the same time that he did that, he went ahead and approved the sale of that very same system to India. So in other words, geopolitically, if you're the Chinese Communist Party mafia bosses looking at this, this is a real mess, all right? So I want you to uh, consider this context behind everything that I'm going to be talking about today. There are two articles I want to bring to your attention and that I'm going to be citing. Uh, again, these are from Chinese, uh, this first article is from a Chinese news source. The second article is from our uh, friends at Zero Hedge. The first article is titled, China Railway Construction Chairman Chen Fenjian Dead at 58 After Reported Fall from Building. Okay, and that's what caught my eye, is we've seen a lot of bankster deaths in the last few years of uh, banksters jumping off the top of buildings. There was one in Hong Kong. There were uh, one in London. There was one in Paris. Uh, we've seen a lot of very strange bankster deaths, but one of the favored methods of their suicides appears to be jumping off of tall buildings. Uh, we've seen a lot of other stuff going on uh, with the bankster deaths, but this is... Uh, the first time we've seen this behavior of a corporate executive, the, the man in charge of China's railway system. And I want to read some interesting uh, opening sections from this article because it, to my mind, might be the first sign that we've seen of what the second article in Zero Hedge is alleging. And it's something that I've been expecting for a while. In fact, I've, I've uh, been warning people, expect to see some sort of purge inside the Chinese Communist Party. And it now looks like uh, this possibly may be the first example of it. Uh, and it now looks like it's very possible that Mr. Xi is going to go ahead and attempt to do this to solidify his control on the country. And I'll get back to that. So let's start with this first article about the suicide, and I'm putting it in quotes because I don't for a moment believe it, all right? The suicide of Chen Fenjian. If it is a suicide, let me put it this way, it's a suicide under duress of some sort, and the article even hints at what that duress might be. So a few paragraphs here. Quote, the chairman of the high-speed rail builder died at the age of 58, sparking a drop in its stock in the Shanghai and Hong Kong exchanges. Kaxin uh, Magazine and the paper and news app says Chen killed himself by jumping off a building, though there's no official confirmation. Skipping a couple of paragraphs. While there was no official explanation for Chen's death, Kaixin Magazine said that he had committed suicide by jumping from a building, citing industry insiders and banking executives, latch onto that one, who do business with China Railway. <clears throat> His death comes as a team dispatched 
by the nation's regulator of state-owned assets has been inspecting China Railway. The inspection is close to an end, and according to Yikai, a Shanghai newspaper. Now, I, I'm stressing the banking relationship and this inspection in this article because one of the things that Xi Jinping has been all about, and when we get to the Zero Hedge article here shortly, you'll, you'll hear them state this very clearly, but one of the things that Xi Jinping has been all about is purging corruption from the Chinese system. And folks, like all systems of that nature, there's gobs and gobs of correction. Think of Swampington, D.C. on steroids, all right? It's, it's really bad. And in addition to that, the banking connection intrigues me because just a few weeks ago, I blogged about that story where Chinese loans, big loans to the tune of billions of dollars, were being collateralized and floated inside the Chinese system, being collateralized on fake gold bullion deposits. And when I say fake, I mean fake. Uh, gold leaf wrapped tungsten bars and so on and so forth. And that is a very, very interesting telltale sign of how fragile that system may be and how rampant the corruption may be, all right? So it does not surprise me, it would not surprise me that much of the Chinese railway system may be in some point involved up to its earlobes in those kinds of shady financial transactions. And if Chen Fenzhan knew about it and was going along with it or knew about it and was not proceeding with enough vigor against that kind of corruption, he would have been a target of Mr. Xi's anti-corruption efforts. Now, the other problem that mo many people don't get is that Xi Jinping does not have absolute control over every major significant Chinese government ministry. There are certain ministries that have been in the hands of his factional opponents, and some of those uh, opponents indeed infest the finance ministry, and the other big problem for Xi Jinping and his regime has been to maintain uh, an absolute control on the security forces. Now, he's managed to get most of his people into the Chinese military. So the big problem for him has been closing out opposition in these other government ministries, and the problem is now multiplied, as I say, in, as said in the introduction, because of his uh, job in managing to isolate China geopolitically in two short years by rattling the sword with India unsuccessfully. Now he's got the flooding, he's got a collapsing uh, crop harvest this year, and on top of that, he's got financial corruption and, and scandals bubbling up, and now he's got a suicide in the Chinese railway company. Now, that's a significant company, folks, because China has approximately uh, between 20 and 30,000 kilometers of railroad network, and most of that, folks, is high speed. It's a very, very advanced uh, technological infrastructure that they've built out with their railways. So, what I'm suspecting is that this is a component 
of this looming purge. So I want to turn to this very short article uh, from Zero Hedge and speculate a little bit about what it might portend. Uh, the article's titled, President Xi Launches Historic Purge Against China's Deep State. And I'm going to read here about uh, five, pardon me, five paragraphs from this uh, article. It's a very short article, but very, very important. Pardon me, folks, I've got the hiccups. The Wall Street Journal reports that one of Xi's most senior allies, and folks, I want you to pay attention to this one because this one is classic Maoist, Stalinist uh, pattern and behavior. Listen carefully. The Wall Street Journal reports that one of Xi's most senior allies has called for a Maoist purge of China's domestic security apparatus insisting last month that it is time to, quote, turn the blade inwards and scrape the poison off the bone, unquote. Now, the reason that's, that's typical behavior is in this kind of system, the leader doesn't come out and call for a purge. That would simply be bad optics, to use the, the American political term. It, it would make the leader look like, well, he's just going after his political enemies. So what you do is you get someone within the party apparatus to call for a purge or discipline, and that's what we see happening. So I'm suspecting just by that statement alone that what's being set up now is a narrative for a massive uh, Mao-style purge. Now, I don't think this is going to go so far as Mao's cultural revolution back in the 1960s. I don't think that's going to be the case, but I do think this could be a very significant large-scale effort on Xi's part to eliminate, and, and I'm using that word advisedly, to eliminate the last opposition he has in some of those key Chinese ministries that he does not yet have complete control of. That's what I think is really going on here. So I don't think you're going to see a... Mao-style cultural revolution with, you know, young people in the streets holding up Mao's little red book and uh, turning in their parents or grandparents all in the name of greater socialism, all right? But I do think you're going to see a massive change of personnel in some of those key Chinese ministries, Ministry of Finance, Ministry of Security, uh, the Interior Ministry, all of these things that are typical for purges I think you're going to see now happen in China. All right, continuing with the Zero Hedge article. Within one week of the call, party enforcers launched investigations into 21 police and judicial officials, and that's the other area that Mr. Xi has not gained total control of, the Chinese judiciary. And that, for him, is crucial because, number one, it will solidify his own power base, and number two, it will help him uh, in his struggle against corruption. He's got to put his own corrupt people in, into positions of power rather than his, uh, the corrupt people that other factions have in power. All right? Dozens more have been taken down in the weeks since. 
So far, the most high-profile figure to face charges is the police chief of Shanghai. In essence, President Xi, who won plaudits for his handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, I don't know where else he won plaudits except in China, is nevertheless weakened due to China's weakened economy and rising tensions with Washington. And I would add to that rising tensions with New Delhi, rising tensions with Tokyo, rising tensions with Moscow, and pretty much everybody else in the region. So in other words, like, like I put it uh, in one of my blogs and News and Views previously, Xi Jinping has managed in two short years to pull off an isolation of China, rivaled only by the isolation of Imperial Germany that Kaiser Wilhelm managed to pull off in seven years. <laughs> okay, so in other words, Xi Jinping's record uh, geopolitically, internationally, is not too good. So he is weak and has to solidify his control of the CCP. Otherwise, I think there's a good chance that he could be overthrown if his opposition gets its act together, all right? Anyway, continuing. Uh, his position is nevertheless weakened due to China's weakened economy and rising tensions with Washington and is launching his own assault on the deep state, mirroring President Trump's animosity and distrust towards his own intelligence machine. And again, I want to stress, I think it's much wider than that. It's the judiciary, the finance ministry, uh, the interior ministry, all of these things having to do with domestic politics that he does not have total control over. And of course, the intelligence community. And this is what's happening. And so you, I think you're going to see massive personnel changes in the next few months. Continuing, while it's true that China's political system suffers from endemic corruption, that's not the real reason President Xi is doing this now, contrary to what some Western media outlets have suggested. Instead, it appears President Xi is launching his own war against China's deep state by launching a full-blown purge of the state security apparatus. The ultimate goal of the campaign is simple. Create police, prosecutors, and judges who are absolutely loyal, absolutely pure, and absolutely reliable. And I agree with that. That's what this is about. Because if he's going to get rid of the corruption in the Chinese financial system, and folks, put yourself in Mr. Xi's shoes. I realize he's an unpleasant, loathsome man, Uh there's no two ways about it, but put yourself in his shoes for a moment. If you have that kind of systemic corruption to the point where, as I blogged a few weeks ago about the Chinese banks making billions of dollars worth of loans based on fraudulent collateral, which they knew to be fraudulent, would you want to be Pakistan? or a country in Africa, or Indonesia, or Vietnam, or any of China's potential trading partners on the Silk Road with that kind of rickety financial system domestically? Answer, no. So geopolitically, even though these are domestic 
uh, moves that Mr. Xi is making, they have tremendous geopolitical implications. He has to do this, in other words, if the, the designs and goals of the One Belt Initiative are going to be anywhere close to fruition. If he doesn't do it, that whole project will fall apart because nobody will trust the Chinese. That's what this is about. Okay, so to continue. During his eight years in power, President Xi has made a big show of confronting corruption, but critics say that he has barely made a dent. Rather, his efforts have had more of a redistributive effect. Those who are loyal to the ruler can eat their full from the trough, but those who aren't may even see a minor slip-up cost them everything. Okay, so yes, that's true. In other words, he's putting in his own corrupt people. The, the real question is now, with all of this uh, domestic and geopolitical situation confronting Mr. Xi, the real question now is, number one, can he pull this off? And number two, once he does, or if he does, will that be convincing enough to China's potential trading partners in the region to convince them to continue to deal with China? Now, my guess is no. At this point, I think China, because of the way that he has mishandled the, uh, the situation with India, the way that the Chinese have mishandled their relationship with Russia, the way that they have pressured the Philippines and Indonesia and, and Japan. My impression is the damage is done and that nothing internally that the Communist Party of China can do is going to repair that damage. In other words, I think that damage has been that severe. And this may be a last-ditch window-dressing effort, but I don't think in the long term it's going to survive. I think in the long term, China simply has to throw off that system in order for them to maintain their economic and trading position that they have tried to maneuver for with the One Belt, One Road initiative. So there's a lot going on here. And while we're contemplating this situation in China, let's remember something else, that the more Mr. Xi clamps down, the more inside of China, the more that image of China as an untrustworthy partner continues to rise. And the more geopolitical fallout there will be with nations like India, Japan, and Russia particularly, but also the lesser uh, powers, regional powers in the region. So this is one to watch. Mr. Xi's now on a tightrope, and he has to negotiate this one very, very carefully without forcing his opposition to make preemptive maneuvers of their own. So this is a very delicate situation in China. Um, add to that the traditional long-term Chinese rivalries. The Hans basically are in control now, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they, they always will be. So behind the veneer of communism, we have to remember something else, that there's a long history of dynastic clan rivalry, and that rivalry also is focused on 
certain strategic regions within the current Chinese state. So that's playing deeply in the background here as well. So this is one to watch, folks. All right, that's going to do it uh, for today's news and views. Don't forget we have the vid chat tomorrow at 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time. This is our European-African time zone vid chat. I've already had several questions coming in, folks. So please, if you're planning uh, to have your questions addressed tomorrow, get them in before the end of the day today uh, because tonight I sit down and print out the questions and get them all arranged uh, for tomorrow's vid chat. I will be in the vid chat early once again, as always, a couple of hours early at least to have a more informal um, discussion with, with members. Anyway, that's it. See you on the flip side. This is one to watch, folks. And bye-bye, and God bless.